Welcome to the Intern at Work. This is a personal podcast for you guys, our newest interns at work, and we've entitled it No More Clerking Around. We asked on Twitter for some questions that you guys had before starting residency July 1st. Um, so we're going to do our best to give you uh, the residency perspective. Um, so uh, we're really glad you're listening to this, and we hope you find this helpful. I'm Allison, uh, and I'm the creator of the internet work. I did my residency at uh, McMaster University, and I'm now doing a general internal medicine fellowship at the University of Toronto. And I'm Zara. You may have heard my voice also. Um, I, I'm one of the producers of the internet work as well. Uh, I did my medical school at the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland, uh, and then I came to McMaster for residency. And not here with us is Leia Karyanopoulos. She is in Greece, which is a plug for everybody to get their vacation requests in. To go on the beach. Yeah, go on the beach, get your vacation requests in. And she's also one of the producers. She did her medical school at McMaster University and is doing her internal medicine residency at McMaster University. We've had a lot of fun working on this uh, podcast series for the past, uh, I guess, one and a half years now. Yeah. Um, and we also just wanted to let you know that if anyone is interested in either being part of our team, if anyone has any uh, constructive feedback for us, um, please go to our website, www.theinternetwork.com, where we have a comment form, um, or you can message us on Twitter as well. Uh, we would really appreciate any feedback that you guys have. We love making this for you, so anything we can make it we can do to make it better. Um, just let us know. Okay, so on to our questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> our first question is from Rochelle G. Melvin, and she asks, any advice on helpful on-the-go resources for on-call ward issues and emergencies? Um, so I think this is a really good question. This is key. I don't know if I could live without uh, internet connection on call, um, especially as I was uh, going on in PGY-1. First of all, we don't endorse any of these uh, products, um, but I would say, I don't know what you think, Alison, my most used app would be up to date. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Most institu- institutions, although not all, um, have uh, up-to-date access, and if they don't, you guys should know that there is a a student resident uh, price that is cheaper than if you were to be uh, like a staff yeah. physician. So if you wanted to purchase it, that is a cheaper option if your institution doesn't offer it. I've also heard Dynamed is somewhat similar. Yep, Dynamed is also yeah. very good. So pretty much I mostly use it now for drug doses, actually. Um, but a lot in PGY-1, I would use it if there was a condition that I'd never heard about before or if I just needed enough refresher on management or investigations, I would just search that condition uh, of the patient I'm seeing on up-to-date quickly before seeing the patient. Um, so I think that's the most important one, the most used app uh, for me. Another thing I would say um, that I always try to have uh, on my person would be uh, a handbook of some sort. So pocket medicine uh, is one of the most used one uh, by myself and residents around me. Um, And that's another good one uh, for on call or even in clinic. It will go through the investigations and management um, uh, of many common diseases. Um, Can never live without MedCalc. I think that one goes without saying. Uh, yeah, I use Evernote quite a bit and more so uh, in PGY2 because in PGY1, I would go over um, either teaching sessions that I had that day or um, new cases that I would see and I would kind of make my own notes and then Evernote, you can make a note on a laptop and then you can access it later on your phone. Um, so I find that really helpful. Um, 
I guess those are the main ones. Other ones I would say would be the Thrombosis Canada app is really good. If you ever have a patient that's on a DOAC, warfarin, uh, or if they have a PE, DVT, like all those conditions are on Thrombosis Canada and they make it really accessible. Um, Another one I would say is um, at I am Wendy Yeh asked about uh, specific uh, resources for kind of knowing um, uh, popular RCTs. Um, and I love my Journal Club app. It has most uh, important uh, big landmark trials on it, and it kind of summarizes the main uh, pertinent points about a trial if you're just looking up something uh, very fast. Of course, I would also say that if uh, you do have any on-call ward issues or emergencies, you can always go to your seniors and staff as well. And there's sometimes, almost always, your most helpful uh, on-the-go resource uh, for (laughs) ward issues and emergencies. And um, other other, uh, Canadian studies, so for instance, CCS actually has really good guidelines and a CCS app um, that's really helpful. And a lot of the uh, guidelines from the Canadian and even the American uh, societies for whatever specialty you might be looking at usually have some form of accessible um, application or guidelines that you can you can look at pretty easily. So, for instance, IDSA also has truncated uh, recommendations on their websites for a lot of the infections that you might see. So, those are also good places to look if you're looking for um, on-the-go resources or for things that you're seeing on the ward or on call. That's how you can tell the difference between like junior learner and fellow. It's like guidelines, guidelines, guidelines. That's true. <laughs> Good point. Um, so, Allison, uh, I have a question uh, for you from at R Sharma sixty six, um, and they're asking how can learners optimally integrate within a team to provide the best care for their patients. So that's that's a great question, and the reason I say that is because so much of internal medicine is all about working with your team, especially if you're doing any type of CTU or general medicine. Um, and as a general medicine fellow, uh, you know the knowledge is great, but you have to work with your team to make sure that your patients get good care. So the first thing that you want to know is everybody's name. Um, and sometimes this takes time. And the allied health, as well as all the medical students and uh, all the nurses and all the other physicians know that it takes time to learn everybody's name. But do your best to learn that because it makes them not just the OT or the physiotherapist, but actually somebody that you trust and uh, somebody's opinion that you trust. So the first thing I would say is learn their name. Um, The next thing I would say is learn what everybody does. So sometimes people group um, certain um, allied health professions together or they group different type of nurses together. So for instance, um, commonly what you'll see is OTPT to C. And that doesn't necessarily always have to be true. Oftentimes it is, but doesn't necessarily have to be true. So learn what the rules are. And a good person to ask um, would be either your senior um, or your staff or um, the chief who's at your hospital about what their roles, what each uh, allied health role, each allied health profession uh, and role is. Um, The other thing I would say is if you are asking for people's help, Um, whether it be an allied health professional or another doctor, make sure you know what you're asking for. Um, So make sure that you have a question in mind and you want to know and and that you let your consultant or your allied health um, professional know what uh, answers you're looking for and what help you're looking for. And the last thing I would say is it's really important to listen to everybody on your team and recognize that um, everyone uh, has a valid opinion and a valid role on your team. Um, as a physician, you guys are going to learn that uh, you are considered the team leader. 
um, no matter what uh, level you're at. And so they will look to you towards making decisions about all sorts of things that you may not know. And so it's important to listen to everyone's opinion and to try to form a plan that's best for the patient based on uh, the opinions of your team. So hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, I like those. Um, I would add that for when uh, asking for a consult, I feel like only as a second year resident did I really kind of fine tune the way that I ask for consults because now as a senior overnight, you get so many consults given to you and you kind of learn what you like. Um, so I would even go so far as to saying, like, when you are asking for a consult, make sure you're giving the name of the patient first, because oftentimes that can be missed, name of the patient, their health card number or MRN, um, and where they're located. And then sometimes you can even start the consult off with the exact question that you want answered and then go into the, the details about the patient. I don't know if you agree. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, this is a question oh, for you, Allison. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, so at Daniel Latas, some great questions. He also asked, um, do you have any advice on how to go about getting involved in research if you have little experience prior to residency in this realm? I do, because when I started <laughs> residency, I had no research experience in this realm at all. Um, so the first thing I did was ask around. So uh, the way to do that is if you have a specialty that you're interested in, uh, ask around for uh, some staff who might have some research projects that are available. So I did that with uh, Dr. Roshwerg, um in critical care uh, for one of my first projects. Um, if you're interested in certain aspects of medicine, so for instance, EBM, uh, quality improvement, um, medical education, find mentors or people doing research uh, in those fields and just set up some meetings. The most, the most important thing is that you're setting up meetings and showing your interest and a lot of research will happen organically because there's so many questions you can ask in all of those fields and making sure you have a mentor to help you design those questions, design those research projects is probably the most important thing. Um, if you have an idea but uh, you don't really know how to get started, uh, most institutions, if you are doing research, will require you to have a staff um, supervisor. And the reason for that is with um, the uh, research ethic boards, usually research ethics board, uh, you usually need to have a staff supervisor on the application. And so, um, for instance, with this podcast, this was uh, my research project and my scholarly project. Um, so I approached a staff who I knew was interested in medical education and talked around with a lot of different staff actually about what they thought would be the most useful and most helpful. Um, and they helped me um, put together the idea as well as the research question to create this podcast. So um, as long as you are persistent and you um, just keep asking around, uh, it'll be absolutely fine. And everyone is really eager, I would say, to get you involved yeah, in research. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the next question uh, we have from I am Wendy Yee. She asks, how do you time manage between ward patients and new consults overnight on call? All right. This is another really good question. Um, I would say that uh, two of the most important things to keep in mind are that, number one, the sickest patient should always be your priority. Um, and number two, you should know that you can utilize other team members uh, to help you when you have multiple concurrent issues going on, uh, which usually does and especially happens um, overnight on call. 
Um, so overnight, usually your new consult is the patient under you with the most acute medical needs. Um, so if you have small ward issues such as pain or sleep medication orders, which uh, you feel can't be dealt with over the phone, um, then it would be helpful uh, in my mind to take uh, note of these things and then deal with them after your consult. Of course, every situation is uh, individual. Um, if you do have a concerning issue, or really as a PGY1, any issue that you don't feel entirely comfortable managing, as a junior learner, I think it's easier to go see the patient in person and take a look through their chart. Um, for example, if there's a patient that you don't know very well, is complaining of chest pain, this is something that could be benign, but it also could be serious. And you may not know much about the patient's medical history or nature of their chest pain on the phone. Um, so it's just a lot easier to just go see the patient. Um, if you're doing a consult at the same time, there's a few different ways that you can tackle dealing with uh, both issues at once. Um, so number one, if you're working with a medical student, you can ask them to see the patient first, um, especially if they're free, making your life easier when you afterwards when you go review with a medical student. Um, number two is you can ask your senior or you can let your senior know that you're stepping out to handle the ward issue and then come back and finish your consult afterwards. Um, and then even if necessary, you can tell your senior you have this issue and even ask your senior to address the ward issue for you if they really want you to finish the consult. Um, I would say any patient with uh, new abnormal vitals, go see right away. Um, but otherwise, I don't really have any hard, fast rules of which patients you should be go seeing, that, of which patients you should be um, going to see. Uh, it'll take a while to learn which issues require attention right away and which can wait until after a consult. Um, and in the beginning stages, I think it's perfectly, perfectly okay to just go see anything you're not sure about in person. Um, or to ask those around you for advice. If you're worried about how long your consult is taking you, I would say check in with your senior resident, because um, oftentimes they can provide advice or help you with the consult itself. Um, I've often uh, provided advice to junior learners about um, what I've noticed has been taking their consult, uh, taking them longer to do their consult or not. And I've also, uh, if I give someone a consult and there's very sort of, if, if it's early in the morning and um, staff and the team are coming in to review uh, soon, I'll even help them or do kind of um, parts of their consult uh, with them. And um, so it's always okay to ask your senior if you uh, do think that that's appropriate. Teamwork makes a dream work. <laughs> so enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I agree. Uh, also, another thing you can always do is ask the nurse or on the phone if they're calling you or if you're on the ward and your senior calls you and says they have a consult, ask um, just let them know what you're doing and say, you know, is True. the consult urgent mm -hmm. or ask the nurse, you know, is this something you're worried about? And usually they have a pretty good feel. And if they say yes, yeah. then you go see mm -hmm. and address the issue. Um, and if they say no, then usually it can wait and yeah. they'll call back if things change. Yeah, that's good. Um, I have our, is this our last? I have our last question for you, Allison. Um, at Christina Ma 37 asks, when should you start to think about the subspecialty match? So I would say that the latest you should think about the match or decide on a specialty is early on in PGY2. Uh, you will have colleagues who knew when they were in med school or potentially when they were born what specialty <laughs> they were going to do, and that's fine. Um, and you will also know people like me who had no idea. Yeah. Um, so what I would say is if you have an idea, make sure that you put that subspecialty within your, I would say, 
late PGY one year or early PGY two years so that you've had some actual practical experience in it and you make sure that you actually like it and you give your time to yourself time to explore other options if that ends up not being exactly what you think it's going to be. Um, if you have absolutely no idea, then what I would say is usually people have like a couple of specialties they're thinking about spacing those out in your PGY one year, mm-hmm. early PGY two year, um, will be helpful. Cause you really, I think don't know that you really want to do a specialty until you actually do it for an extended period of time. So making sure that you have those rotations earlier on, um, I think is helpful and then once you get to PGY2, so your, your, your uh, match in PGY3 is actually earlier than the one you did for CARMS. Um, so your applications will go in, I think, at the end of August or beginning of September. And then uh, interviews are in October. And then you actually know by November. So the match is actually earlier than the uh, core residency match. And so at the end of PGY2, um, or even in the middle of PGY2, and early PGY3 is really when you want to get in those electives um, at uh, various schools or various rotations to make sure that you have the experience as well as are able to obtain those reference letters uh, for your match. Um, and then throughout, of course, if you have an interest or you know what you're, you're interested in or you figure out what you're interested in, finding some sort of scholarly project, whether it be educational um, or uh, clinical oriented uh, to uh, do some research in that field, I think is always helpful. Mm-hmm. And if you can, I think if you get in um, at least one conference presentation, that really is a plus. Um, so Zara, what's one of the funnest things about residency? Is this just a question from you? Yeah, it's a question yeah. from me. <laughs> um, I would say one of the funnest things about residency is that you're going through the trenches with all these co-residents and you're going through it all together. Uh, so I think the, the nicest thing for me in residency has been getting to know all these people, um, within my residency program and um, and going through some of the hardest hardest days and some of the best days of my life with them. That's a good answer. Is it? Yeah. So those are the questions that we've had. There's some more that came through, but unfortunately, uh, we can't answer all of them in the time span um, for this podcast, but maybe we'll add them on to the end of other podcasts in the future. Um, if you have any other questions or any other concerns or advice that you'd like, always uh, feel free to email us at theinternetwork at gmail.com. We're happy to connect with you in whatever way we can or connect you with people in your school that we might know. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Internet Work. This episode was uh, created and produced by Alison Lai, Zara Morali, and Leah Karianopoulos. Sound production uh, by Lash and Vizantha Mohan. Um, as always, we have our resources at www.theinternetwork.com. Um, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and uh, we hope to see you again soon.